0: flying high on the Solak and Solak Show, presented to you by BGN Radio. I'm your host, Benjamin Solak, joined, as always, by the best doggone co-host in the game. That is also me, Benjamin Solak, for the regular listeners of the Kissed and Solak Show. Uh, Mike's dealing with a ton of problems. He's been doing all of this wonderful work for you over the last three years on a laptop that Fred Flintstone would consider an upgrade. Uh, He's been doing this Forever and now has finally potentially had this laptop peter out on him. So he's on the bench uh, for today and and into the weekend as he tries to get this figured out. Uh, If you like our show make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so that Mike has enough money to buy a freaking desktop computer, uh, make his own life a lot easier. But because Mike's on the bench, it's just me for you. Basically, I said to Mike, listen, I'll run through the notes that I've got on the Ravens offense, on the Eagles offense, uh, and what this matchup could look like as we approach the Sunday one o'clock game. I will give you the audio, and if you want to use it, go for it. If you do not want to use it, feel free to ignore it. So it's just me flying solo for this one. With that said, Uh, the injury report on this Friday morning, looking at the Sunday game. The Eagles uh, once again have a laundry list of players on their injury report. Matt Pryor is considered questionable. Both Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey were limited in practice on Thursday. Deshaun has a better chance of playing per Peterson than Alshon Jeffrey does. Of course, Lane Johnson continuing to deal with his ankle problems may be a guy who rests as it's been said that rest could help out his ankle issues. Darius Slay has cleared the concussion protocol So the corner for the Eagles is back. Duke Riley, Richard Rogers, Avante Maddox, and Marcus Epps all finish out the questionable designations on Friday morning, uh, with Riley not participating in Wednesday's practice, but Richard Rogers and Avante Maddox participating. So that's the Eagles on the injury report. The Ravens, uh, as most teams are, not dealing with the same number of issues. Uh, Derek Wolf, an add to the Thursday injury report, potentially out upcoming. He's been dealing with injury throughout this year. Uh, non-practice for Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters on Wednesday, so the Ravens might be a little bit thin at corner. Chris Moore, Anthony Levine, and Tyree Phillips, are uh, the uh, rest of the players on the Ravens injury report, Those guys don't figure to be starters regularly, so it's not going to be too much of an issue if the Ravens are missing them this week. The Eagles are coming off their best offensive performance of the season, putting up a valiant 29 points in what was a losing effort against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-29. Now at home, they look to build on what they created against Pittsburgh. Two things that stood out, number one by a mile, is the positive performance of Carson Wentz, who had his best game of the season. Against the Steelers, you saw Wentz far more comfortable working through progressions than you had seen him so far this year, which is excellent news. He's trusting his protection more. He's trusting his receivers more. He regularly got to backside reads very often to Travis Fulgham, the standout star at wide receiver, and he managed the pocket a lot better than what we're uh, we're accustomed to seeing him do. This matters a lot. The Steelers are the highest team in the league in blitz rate, and the Ravens are behind them. They're second highest along with Tampa Bay right there with them. So the Eagles offensive line and Wentz are going to continue to see exotic looks. They're going to continue to see rushers coming from different directions and Wentz is going to have to manage muddy pockets. When you rush 4, it's a lot easier to create a clean pocket versus blitz packages which involve stunts and twists and overloading one side often create protection that doesn't necessarily look as neat and Wentz can freak out in those pockets against the Steelers he demonstrated a willingness to hang in them and to work his feet to backside concepts he was much 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 better setting his feet to his target than he has been throughout the season Uh, to me this is just indicative of comfort he's becoming more accustomed to his under center zone drops or excuse me under center play action drops which we're seeing uh, more of in this offense since the addition of Rich Scangarello he was Better in tune with the timing of his concepts through a lot more stuff on time with rhythm with anticipation, even when players recovered, namely Travis Fulgham, because he trusted his receivers to get into the breaks and so there was a lot more comfort for Wentz, and he looked a lot more like the player we're accustomed to seeing. There's still growth to be had. He wasn't perfect under pressure, and I don't know if he ever will be. Obviously, there's still accuracy issues targeting Miles Sanders especially. Uh, There's times where he makes choices pre-snap that don't hold out post-snap. The Zacherts interception being a good example. He had Miles Sanders open, should have read the leverage of the linebacker and thrown to Sanders, but he was kind of bird dog and Ertz, and then it ended up being a really, really bad play for the Eagles. So there's still growth to be had, but this this was a good Wentz game. And, and anybody who's telling you that Wentz didn't play well enough is really trying to find uh, continuing reasons to doubt Carson Wentz. He obviously has to string together multiple performances like this, but doing so against the Steelers offense is really encouraging when you look at the Baltimore defense. Now, the second thing that's important, as I alluded to, is that offensive line play. The Eagles really got an impressive offensive line performance from players that you did not think were going to be doling out a prof- uh, an impressive offensive line performance, uh, and, uh, Jack Driscoll continues to look solid after a shaky week one. He's been good. I think in relief, right tackle for Lane Johnson, dealing with Eric Armstead and then uh, uh, TJ Watt back to back weeks. Matt Pryor is sick. He's probably not going to be playing on Sunday, which means that Jamon Brown, uh, Doug Peterson just announced, will be stepping in to start at right guard. That, isn't going to be a downgrade. It's probably going to be an upgrade. Matt Pryor has really been struggling in ma- in pass protection. He's been a good run blocker, but pass protection, he's just not having it so far. He's so top-heavy. Uh, and so Jamon Brown, I think, is going to be a, po- a positive in the pass protection column for the Eagles. Nate Harbig has been quietly solid. And then Jordan Mailata, who continues to have his issues, lose his reps, but generally not look like a player who just picked up football three years ago. He's more confident, more comfortable than that. And that's... Tremendous news uh, for the Eagles and the development of Maulata. This line will have to deal with similar issues to the one they dealt with last week in terms of passing off blitzers, communicating twists. The Steelers were successful generating pressure off of twists and stunts, which you can expect against most lines, especially a line with a ton of new starters on it. Adding Jamon Brown into the mix does mean that you should expect the twists from Kalias Campbell, from Matt Judon, from Derek Wolf in the event that he plays to continue to be a big part of the Ravens attack that's where you're going to get the the inexperienced yet unmeasured communication between that center right guard right tackle complex especially if Jack Driscoll's in there then you're not with Jamon Brown between two veterans but you have Jamon Brown and new to the uh, new to the roster with a rookie in Jack Driscoll that's really what they're going to be looking to attack uh, especially like I said if Lane is out. So the offensive line played better against the Steelers, a pass protection effort that I would never have expected for them against such a good defensive line. The Ravens throw a lot of similar stuff at you, but they also don't have the same amount of talent on the defensive line. Derek Wolf, Calais Campbell, Pernell McPhee, Matt Judon is not nearly uh, Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alulu, TJ Watt, and Bud Dupree. So a reason to be excited there. Uh, the Eagles should have another successful week in pass protection. Now, the secondary in Baltimore has been playing a little bit better in true man coverage with guys like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith. Of course, Peters and Smith, like we said, potentially questionable for this game. Um, but they, they have those good man-covered players. The safety room isn't as good in in uh, in Baltimore as it is in Pittsburgh. Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott with the loss of, uh, of Earl Thomas uh, this past year. He obviously got cut for not being great in the locker room. Uh, has it drastically limited what Baltimore can do in their blitz packages. Earl Thomas was so good in the low hole for them, robbing intermediate crossers, robbing those... those routes that were taking advantage of blitzing linebackers and sinking edges. And so you should look for the Eagles to be a heavy middle-of-the-field target team, that intermediate middle-of-the-field hole. This is typically where you think about a Zacherts game. Uh, obviously, he hasn't really had that one yet, but a Zacherts game. Travis Fulgham was much more so an outbreaking receiver against the Steelers, ran a lot of stuff into the boundary. Uh, if the Eagles want to feature him, they're probably going to want to give him more in-breaking stuff. Marcus Peters loves outbreaking route concepts because of how well he jumps those. So this may not be a big Travis Fulgham. Game maybe more so Greg Ward and it's the players that the Eagles like to use in the intermediate hole of the defense and in terms of running the football uh, Miles Sanders has been explosive but really it, it's either uh, you know the 75 yarder against the Steelers or the various one yard zero yard runs against the Steelers this offensive line is going to struggle to run block the Eagles uh, ran gap power blocking much, much, much more so against the Steelers than I think we've ever seen them do under Doug Peterson, De- Deuce Daly, and Jeff Stowland. I would expect that team to continue against the Steelers as the Eagles just do not have the communication or the athletes on the offensive line to be running zone. Nate Herbert cannot get on his horse quick enough. I don't think Jamon Brown has those legs anymore. They're going to be better using scheme to try to get some good angles, bringing in their H-backs. You know, they use Jason Krum a little bit, using Zacherts, trying to get those looks off of power. It's not the best thing as we saw they only really had a one explosive run and it was off of the draw but that's the best they've got right now very difficult to get the running game off the ground so people are looking for Sanders to be involved more that's where Wentz has to start being able to hit him accurately in the flat hit him accurately on swings they haven't called Sanders a true traditional running back screen in a couple weeks as well would like to see that in lieu of a running game which I think they're going to continue to struggle to wake up especially against a stunt heavy front in Baltimore. So my player of the game on offense for the Eagles will be Zach Hurts. I think that this has to be a Zach Hurts game. Patrick Queen and LJ Fort, your linebackers in Baltimore, likable guy. And Patrick Queen, rookie, who's coming off of an award for the amount of tackles he produced against Cincinnati, but he's still learning in man coverage. LJ Fort, who Eagles fans should know, is a good linebacker, who somehow slipped through the Philadelphia fingers. Uh, His best ability is not man cover. These are better zone cover linebackers. If the... Ravens take a page out of the 49ers and the Steelers books and drop safeties down to to into underneath zones to bracket and to rob Zach Ertz's route tree to get physical with him in the contact window, then you're going to have the man coverage outside that you need to take advantage of. The Eagles were able to do this with Fulgham last week against the Steelers, but if the Ravens stick to what they typically do, which is approaching... Tight ends, as they do with wide receivers, especially when they're flexed out with just a safety with Chuck Clark, with just a linebacker, with LJ Fort. This is a game where you need Ertz to be successful over in the middle of the field. Uh, this is a potential big Ertz game, especially if the Eagles are down early. Then they need to be willing to pass the football. Ertz I think, should be their answer there. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by our sponsors at Benjamin Solak. Benjamin Solak is the uh, driving force behind The Kiss and Solak Show. He is the primary reason the show has been successful. Mike can't take this out. It's not allowed because he's not even on this podcast. He's editing it, but I dare you to leave it in, Mike. Uh, Thank you, Benjamin Solak, for sponsoring this show. You are our benefactor. And our leader, we love you so much. Thank you for that ad break, Ben. We really appreciate it. Now onto the Ravens' offense against the Eagles' defense. This is the one that should send shivers up your spine. The Ravens' offense, with Lamar Jackson at the helm, has yet to come to Philadelphia. And of course, the Ravens' offense this year has not looked like the Ravens' high-powered offense of last year. They're 21st in uh, team EPA by True Media. They are 20th in total yardage. They're coming off a rather quiet uh, outing against the Bengals, a defense that you do not really expect to stymie such an offense as talented as the Ravens. Mark Schofield of the QB Show and of the touchdown wire has a really, really nice piece about how the Bengals uh, muddied some of the deep reads on on the Ravens' vertical passing attack in their quarters coverages. Ted Nguyen of the Athletic has a nice read about how the Structure of the Bengals' linebacking core, the structure of their front seven, made it easier for them to defend the Ravens' rushing attack on a week in which Lamar was a little bit hampered. He was coming in with a little bit of a knee injury. Obviously, he is off of the injury report. Now, looking at the Ravens against the Eagles, the absolute biggest thing to know is that the Eagles simply do not two gap with their defensive linemen. If they do, it's extremely rare and it's Javon Hargrave. But generally, they want their edges flowing hard down to the mesh point. They want their three-tack coming hard upfield, and they want their linebackers to be able to fit relative to the defensive linemen. Everybody takes a gap. This is not a model of a successful run defense against the Ravens. If you are aggressive coming downhill, which the Eagles are, the Ravens will get outside of you with Lamar Jackson, and they have done this across the course of the last year and a half with Lamar Jackson at the helm. When you watch what the Bengals did, against lamar when you watch what even the titans did in the playoffs against lamar obviously they got lamar into a hole early is that they were able to two-gap not just with interior defensive linemen but with big ends on the edge and this allowed them to play slow into the mesh point this is important because while a lot of what the ravens run in their running game pistol backfield multiple back sets looks like a read option play looks like they're making decisions live and in time It's actually infrequent for the Baltimore offense to do that. The Baltimore offense wants to give you a play that looks like, you know, Lamar Jackson is reading. But to get their offensive linemen on the best angles and to get Lamar Jackson as quickly out of the pocket, as quickly into his run as possible, they usually predetermine their reads based off of what your defense does. And if they expect, for example, your unblocked defensive end to crash hard into the mesh point, which they will expect against Philadelphia because that's what the Eagles' ends are coached to do, then they will script the outside handoff whether that's to the running back on inverted veer or it's to the quarterback on read option whatever's getting outside of that end they will script it they will say we are doing this no matter what read we get we're just gonna make it look like a read we're gonna make it look like a mesh point just to help confuse the defense so it, it, you should consider it almost like a play action pass ball's never ever going to get handed off they know the quarterback's going to keep it and throw it well in baltimore they know what decision's going to be made before the ball is snapped on on a large number not all but on a large number of their base running concepts Accordingly, when you're watching a defense as willing to give up the edge in the first level as Philadelphia's is, Baltimore will look to script ways to get Lamar Jackson horizontally outside of contain right away. That's where we talk about inverted veer. That's where we talk about uh, midline read option and, and and you know GT power counter. A lot of the stuff that Baltimore runs where Lamar, if he keeps the football, keeps it going horizontally, keeps it going east-west, keeps it to get outside of the framework. You should expect them to continue to use players like Devin DuVernay and Marquise Brown in a cross motion, whether that's jet motion or return motion or zip motion. They use a lot of motions that go horizontal east west along the line of scrimmage to give you a potential handoff player a potential screen player quick pass player who is outside of your contain if the eagles choose to play the lamar jackson backfield the way that they typically play backfields that even have running quarterbacks they will get ridiculously burned it will be extremely ugly to watch they do not have the athletes at edge to play aggressive into the match point and then chase lamar jackson down nobody does and they absolutely unequivocally do not have the linebacker have the athletes at linebacker or safety to successfully attack the mesh point with edges and then have contain on the outside they would have to be so wholesale in allowing their nickels to play downhill craval leblanc nickel roby coleman alex singleton when he's flexed out over the tight end Marcus Epps when he's the dime linebacker, Kayvon Wallace when he's the dime linebacker. They would have to allow these guys to be so aggressive coming downhill that they would be very, very weak relative to the quick passing game and to the tight end passing game. And, of course, Baltimore wants to throw the football to Mark Andrews, their tight end. It's worth noting that the Baltimore passing attack does not utilize a heavy amount of crossers the way that you've seen from los angeles the rams who ate the eagles up on offense the way that kyle shanahan's offense typically does they like to give you a conflated mesh points and moving linemen and 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 a lot of run reads and then they like to get vertical on top of you over that they want to pull your safeties down into the line of scrimmage and then they want to get on top of them they want to pull your linebackers down to the line of scrimmage and they want to climb on top of them and so once again, if the Eagles and Jim Schwartz insist on sitting in deep cover one, deep cover three, which is typically what they like to do with this man coverage they've been doing with Darius Slay, one deep middle safety 15 yards back, they will hit seam shot after seam shot after seam shot, Y cross after Y cross right in front of that deep middle safety. Rodney McLeod will end the day with 15 tackles, all of them 15 yards on the line of scrimmage. It will not be successful. You cannot play The Baltimore Ravens offense and the Baltimore Ravens backfield the way that you want to, you cannot dictate to them. The Jim Schwartz defense wishes to dictate it will not be successful if it attempts to do this against Baltimore. So if the Eagles come out, this is the way we like to play defense, then you should anticipate giving up another 30 point game. Uh, And you're asking the offense against quite a good defense. Baltimore Ravens defense remains one of the higher ranked in the NFL. You're asking your offense to be able to to not only survive in a shootout, but survive in a shootout against a team that is so successful running the football that they can eat away with a ton of clock. It is not a winning formula. And the fear is that the Eagles will once again find themselves unable to get a stop on defense such that a good offensive performance goes wasted. What then could the Eagles do? What choices could Jim Schwartz make in order to counteract the Baltimore defense? One, you have to ask your edges to play slower. We've seen uh, teams against Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson this year rush, not with the intention of getting to the quarterback set point, but with the intention of flushing him out of the pocket and then reacting to where he goes. Because if you get a good Josh Sweat rush that ends up where Lamar Jackson is, it's not going to end in a sack. He's too elusive. The Eagles need to slow down on the defensive line. They have never done this under Jim Schwartz, and I do not expect them to start. But they must slow down on the defensive line. They should also consider running drop A coverages, something they've done infrequently but occasionally under Jim Schwartz especially a couple years ago they were doing it more 2018 when they were a heavy zone coverage team uh, they drop eight has been wonderful against talented passing attacks talented quarterbacks so far this year you're forcing them to hold on to the football Lamar Jackson will get impatient in the pocket tuck too early, or throw balls that uh, throw passing attempts that he should not be attempting. Uh, give you the opportunity for interceptions, for quick turnaround plays, defensive touchdowns, which would be humongous for the Eagles in this context. The only way to beat Baltimore is to get ahead of Baltimore and to force them outside of their running script. Defensive touchdown goes a long way for that. So the Eagles should look into drop eight and look into slowing their pass rush and playing more contain-based in the passing game. In the running game, they should consider having – eight men boxes, being able to play man cover behind that with Darius Slay on Marquise Brown. The rest of the Baltimore wide receiver room is weak enough that you should be fine with Roby Coleman and with uh, Avante Maddox and with Cravon LeBlanc to defend those players. Play man coverage, load the box, and if you're going to insist on playing fast, okay, you're going to have to ask your nickels to be really, really good at run support. But again, I would encourage you, play slower, investigate having the edges potentially two-gap, And then have your linebackers play behind those. And again, playing slower than you typically do. Let yourself react to what's happening in the backfield. Be right on your reads. Don't be aggressive against play action. This does not sound like the Schwartz defense, and I do not anticipate this being the case your player of the game is going to be whoever that nickel defensive back is who's a quasi linebacker potentially will parks who was cleared uh from his hamstring issue and now has the ability to play on sunday the eagles want him to be their box safety their dime safety linebacker quasi malcolm jenkins dude well he's coming in extremely cold to the most difficult ask you can give for a dime linebacker in this way and accordingly Will Parks is my guy to watch on defense, but you have to be able to mitigate expectations for him. The Eagles have also used Marcus Epps and Cavon Wallace in this role to uh, you know, little juice, to little success. Cable Wallace is, is still learning his run reads for sure. Marcus Epps is not a good tackler. So that amalgam, those three safeties and whatever their snap count gets distilled into, that's going to be the group that you have to watch and be extremely interested in for Philadelphia against the Ravens running game. Taking a look at the DraftKings sports book for the Ravens against the Eagles, the Ravens are currently held as eight-point favorites on a 48-point total. We're looking at a 28 to 20 game. Baltimore over the Eagles I do think the Ravens are able to score 28 probably more against this Eagles defense who unless you're Nick Mullins they have shown no ability no interesting talent to stopping anybody Uh, I think that the Ravens score plus 30 I think that is an uproarious day running the football for J.K. Dobbins for Mark Ingram and for Lamar Jackson let's give the Ravens Uh, 38 points i'll let the eagles continue to grow on offense but i i don't anticipate another day in which they're really able to to make this thing close at the end and maybe get some stuff in garbage time we'll go 38 24 i think the ravens are going to beat the eagles and the eagles fall to one four and one and i think the issues will be primarily what they've been so far this year a failure to get talented linebackers, corners, and safeties such that you can survive against good offenses and a failure of the defensive coordinator to adjust to his lack of talent when it's clearly being exploited. And now finally, a segment of the show I am accustomed to doing. Uh, Thank you always for listening to the Solak and Solak Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by uh, for riding with me here on the solo run as Mike deals with his laptop issues. I do appreciate you listening through it. I hope it was interesting to you. I kind of just talked about what I think is interesting, and usually that works. Um, But usually Mike's here to cut me off if I'm going on too long. But the solo run was fun, and if you enjoyed it and you appreciate us, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. He's been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. The post-game show on Sunday will hopefully include Michael. Keep your fingers crossed. But until then, fly, Eagles, fly. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder.